Welcome to Living the Jesus Way, Real Faith in Real Life. Hi there, Pastor Dave here. I want to introduce a series about the four views of the rapture. We are looking for Jesus to come back and he wants us to long for his return with all of our hearts. So I want to get into the topic of the rapture. We have amazing teaching from the Word of God here in the most important passage on the rapture. That is in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 17. I want to walk step by step through this as we talk about what the rapture is. Verse 13 says, We do not want you to be uninformed, brethren, about those who are asleep, so that you will not grieve as do the rest who have no hope. That's Paul's way of talking about Christian death. So Paul's telling us, telling the Thessalonians, we don't want to be uninformed about what's happened to our loved ones, your loved ones that have died and gone before you. Paul says the reason you don't want to be uninformed is God understands we're going to grieve. Grieving is a normal process, but we're not to grieve like people who have no hope. For a lot of unbelievers, when loved one dies, they think that's it. And so they have no hope because they think they'll never see him or her again. Paul then tells us in verse 14 why we are not to grieve like those with no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and God will bring with him those who've fallen asleep in Jesus. Paul is telling us that when Jesus comes back, he's going to bring our loved ones with him, who will, and the logical implication of that is that Jesus is going to bring them back when they must be with him, therefore they must be with him. So Paul also tells us in 2 Corinthians 5.8, Paul says to be absent from the body is to be at home with the Lord. And there's another verse that's talking about the rapture. So when a Christian dies today, their soul immediately goes into the presence of Christ. Their body goes into the grave and decays, or maybe it's cremated, but their soul, their spirit goes to be with the Lord immediately. Paul then says in verse 15, For this we declare to you by a word of the Lord. In other words, this has come from the Lord himself. That we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep. Then he says, The Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. There's going to be, Paul saying, a resurrection when Jesus comes back. He's going to bring our loved ones with him. Remember, they're with him in their spirit, and Jesus is going to come back. And when he comes back, he's going to raise up in them a new resurrected body just like Christ. Isn't that wonderful news? And the Lord tells us that one day you and I will get a brand new resurrected body just like Jesus' body. How's that going to happen? By his power. Is anything impossible with God? No. Is anything beyond his capability? No. This is child's play for God to raise up a resurrected body for us. Then look what Paul says in verse 17. He says, then we who are alive, those of us who happen to be alive when Jesus comes back and remain, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we'll always be with the Lord. This passage is the 
premier passage in the Word of God, 1 Thessalonians, about the rapture. But there are two other texts about the rapture. Jesus said in John 14, if you recall, he said, do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. And Jesus said, if it were not so, I would have told you. And I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And Jesus then said, if I go and prepare a place for you, I would come back and receive you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. So Jesus is saying, he's talking about the rapture, that he's going to come again. He's, he's gone and he's preparing a place for us in heaven. Those of us who are his followers, that we're a true disciple of Jesus Christ. And then he's going to come back and receive us unto himself. And we're going to be given a resurrected body. Paul also wrote about the rapture in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 51 and 52. Paul said there, Behold, I told you, and I tell you a mystery. We will not all asleep again. He's talking about death. Paul's saying we're not all going to die, but we will all be changed in a moment. In the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will all be changed. Again, Paul is telling us there's going to be a generation of Christians who will not face physical death. They will just be raptured to meet the Lord in the air. That is, they will be alive when Jesus comes back. And they will be raptured and meet the Lord in the air. Now, we need to talk about the word rapture because it's a misunderstood word. First of all, it's not in the Bible. So where does the word rapture come from? Well, the word rapture is derived from 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 17 that we just read a moment ago. It says that we will be caught up in the air with Jesus. That phrase caught up is the Greek word harpazo, which means to be caught up, be seized. But the concept of the rapture is clearly taught Paul tells us that we who are alive when Jesus returns, we will be caught up, we will be seized, we will be captured, that word indicates. So here's the situation. We know from Daniel 9, called the 70th week, that there's going to be a, a seven-year period sitting out there somewhere before the thousand-year reign, before the millennium. We find that recorded in Revelation 20, verses 1 through 7, I believe. Now, a lot of people will call this the tribulation period. I want you to understand something. That is not in the Bible, that phrase, tribulation period. That is a man-made phrase. And so we're going to always talk about a seven-year period because that's clear in Daniel 9. Uh, it's called the 70, 70th week. So we know there's going to be a rapture. Scripture we just looked at tells us that. But the real question, where is the rapture going to be in relation to that seven-year period? That's the real question that Christians uh, get all bent out of shape about because there's four different views of the rapture. And so let's talk about that. Some Christians believe in what is called the pre-tribulation rapture. That is the belief of some Christians that the rapture will happen at the beginning of that seven-year period. So you've got the seven-year period and then the millennium. 
The mid the second view is the mid-tribulation rapture. And those are believers who believe it will happen at the midway point of the seven-year period. But then you have a third view, which is the post-tribulation rapture, and that's going to happen at the end of the seven-year period. And then a fourth view that we're going to unwrap in the next episode, all of these, is the pre-wrath rapture. And the pre-wrath rapture is somewhere in the second half of the 70-week, the seven-year period. And you got to keep in mind the seven-year period is divided according to the scripture into three and a half years and three and a half years. And so the pre-wrath rapture is it's somewhere in that second half of the 70th week, that second half, three and a half years. Don't know exactly when in those three and a half years is when the rapture is going to take place. So we got believers in all of these areas that believe one of these views. I love what Mark Hitchcock in his book, The End, uh, he said in that book, and it's a great book, it's a great read. You know, I think you can get it on Kindle. I would encourage you to get it uh, so you can do some more research on, on these v- different views. But he said in that book, there's a lot of debate about the timing of the rapture. Most Christians agree on that the rapture is going to happen. But the real question, the real issue, the real hot debate is the timing of the rapture. Most Christians will agree that it's going to take place, but he goes on to say and states that it's more than just a theological debate. There's a lot at stake for you and I if the rapture was to happen during your lifetime, my lifetime. Depending on what view is correct, it raises some sobering questions, such as, well, The church, is it going to go through any or is it going to go through all of the seven-year period before the rapture? Will you or will I be here to witness the Antichrist and forced to choose to take his mark? Will you be here and see God's wrath when it's poured out on the earth? Or will you be in heaven while this takes place, enjoying sweet, glorious fellowship and intimacy with Jesus, the lamb, and his sheep? It's an important question. Will you and I be here for none of that seven-year period, half of that seven-year period, or all of that seven-year period? You see, the issue of the timing of the rapture has led to heated arguments resulting in divisiveness within the body of Christ. And so I want to take a moment and, and challenge us today. Because collateral damage takes place when we get into these heated arguments about which view is the correct view. And so our walk in Jesus gets damaged as a result of that. It's sad because Jesus said, by this, all men will know you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So I want to close this time with three reminders. Number one. The timing is important. Don't miss that. It is. But not essential in our belief of the, in the Christian faith. Number two, we should be able to discuss it without arrogance. We should be able to talk with one another without getting bent out of shape and angry with one another because they don't agree with you, where you are and what view you, you agree with. Number three. We should be open to admitting that none of these four views can be taught with 100% certainty. 
we must be willing to discuss it without divisiveness. I was taken aback by, and what really got me going with this recently is a post that's been, I've seen on Facebook a number of times. I've even seen uh, some of my friends posting it. I've seen church members posting it. Uh, and, And it's concerned me because the very first sentence in the post says, and this is kind of a paraphrase that I don't have right here in front of me, but it says, and know that the rapture will come before the Antichrist. Well, that's not totally true. Could be. But to say that that is the definitive is not correct. And so we need to be careful with that. The rest of the post is wonderful. But that one sentence at the very beginning of it led me to really want to do this series on the four views of the rapture because there's a lot of misunderstanding about that. And so we're going to look at each one. Uh, I love, there's another good read. I'm going to close with this on the rapture. It's called The Rapture of the Church by Don Stewart. I believe you can also get that on Kindle. Listen to what Don says. He says, quote, almost everyone agrees that there's no single verse or passage that gives an undeniable or irrefutable answer to the question of the timing of the rapture. Any answer, he says, must be derived from the study of the totality of Scripture. We cannot pick one verse here and the other verse over there and attempt to construct this doctrine. It is an issue that demands our serious study, unquote. He's absolutely right. So I want to invite you to join me in this series as next time we will unwrap, begin to unwrap these four views. And I want to encourage you to come with an open mind and with an open heart and with a willingness to love and respect one another, no matter which view we believe in. If you've liked what you've heard today, be sure to subscribe to my podcast and follow me. Until next time, Shalom. Peace and joy be yours in the Lord.